We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. And uh, coming in September 2020, a new site we have built together called... Defector. Defector, and we're going to have a new podcast to go with it. This very podcast, which has the name... The Distraction. It's out right now, and it's available everywhere else you get your podcast. At Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction everywhere. It's out right now. Go listen. See ya. Bye. Blending cultures, mm-hmm. very difficult for two people. Yes. Not difficult for me. Why is that? Because I'm Jamaican by heart. True. I'm a Rasta. And, and, and deep down in my soul, I'm a Rasta. Deadass. I believe it. I believe it. Yes. But I will say you did want to revoke my black card when we met, and I told you I had never seen Friday. Oh, I forgot that you told me that. <laughs> you remember? I almost stopped talking to you. <laughs> you did. I almost I was like, what? You were like, this girl is not cultured. Deadass. Deadass. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellis's. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention, we're married. Yes, sir, we mm-hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. When we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take pillow talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts now. I remember... One of the first few times I went by Kay's house and I met her dad's friends and her uncles. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because when you're not in West Indian culture and you listen outside the house, you always think somebody fighting. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> your father's true. friend Carl, yo, just screaming at the top of his lung. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, man, yeah, man, yeah, man. And I'm just like, yo, they about to fight. <laughs> but nah, that's, they, that's just how they That's how interact. he expresses himself. They argue and debate like they'd never seen each other before. They, your, your father just sits there quiet. Yep. And it's, it's all these older all Jamaican men. All over a men. bottle of Rain Nephew rum. Right. And they're, they're arguing <laughs> and debating about black people and Indian people mm-hmm. in Jamaican culture. Mm-hmm. And I come downstairs and I'm not Jamaican. I'm American. So then the argument turned towards me. Mm-hmm. And it was about American blacks versus West Indian blacks. Right. And we were having this conversation and I realized at that point how much disconnect there is between the two cultures. You know, right. your father's friends, you know, were saying stuff like, you know, American blacks, you know, they're lazy. They don't they don't work as hard as Caribbean blacks. And part of it wasn't just like an attack. They were kind of asking me like why? You know, like mm-hmm. like your generation, you know, like right. they, they were your generation, your generation this, your generation that. So they thought it was and, you as a black American younger man yes, a younger, versus just black Americans in general. Right. Okay. And um but a little bit in general, you know, but but more it was a generational thing right. because that's what right. older generations do. They always say the next generation is lazy. Right. So we're having this argument and this discussion and I had said to them, I said, "Well, let's be clear. You guys came to this country for a better life based off of the fight and sacrifice that black Americans already fought for. Ooh. So those same people that you're, you're saying are lazy, mm-hmm. they're the reason why you can come here and earn a living. Mm-hmm. And they kind of got quiet. Right. Because I feel like that's the first time they ever heard that perspective, perspective on it. Right. from a black American right. young man. Right. And that's where I feel like my relationship with your dad and his friends changed mm-hmm. because there was a respect there yes, because we were able to have that dialogue. Absolutely. And that's something that you didn't even foresee as an issue per nah. se. And it could have been a totally wrong situation or it could have gone it could have wrong went bad. and you guys could have gotten to an argument right. and could have just, you know, but we spoke about arguing effectively and debating. And at this point, I think it was a learning experience for everyone. Yeah. We both learned a lot about Absolutely. each other. One love. Whoa. One heart. Yes, Bob. Let's get together and feel all right yes give thanks and praise to the lord and i will feel all right let's get together and feel all right let's get together folks yes one love one love blending culture one love shout out to bob one one of the greatest humans to ever walk the face of this earth let me tell you about the love i have for Robert Nesta 
Marley. Yes. Yeah, I have no idea. To the point where my brother, my sister, and I have the three little bird tattooed right on our wrists. Yes. Right there. And DeVal felt yes. the kind of way. I did. Because he wanted to get a bird. <laughs> I was like. They made it seem like I'm not part of the family. But that's okay. Nah. You know what I'm saying? And then we propositioned DeVal and we're like, hey, you can totally be like the branch. Like we could put a branch that's under mad, the bird. That's mad whack. <laughs> and you could be the branch. You can, you can be the branch, <laughs> that DeVal, holds that holds up the three birds. Because I was like, no, nah, I'm good. Do. I'm good. Oh, I'm good on that. I know. It just me, would lose the context. Me and my brother and sister going to get our own tattoo. All right. Y'all with totally Biggie, should. With Biggie. Who? Biggie, Tupac, and who? No, just Biggie, because Bob is from Jamaica. Right. So Biggie is from Brooklyn. But the context of something of threes. So we're going to do something with threes. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. All right, figure it out. No figure pressure. Out, right? No pressure. No yes. competition here, though. You know? Nah, and when always, it happens with... Co- it's always competition no, with coaches. When you, always. We don't want to create competition between two cultures. We want to speak about how we're able to cultivate one culture, one family, from different sides of the spectrum. So yes. as y'all know, um, or if you don't know, uh, my mother is from Jamaica and my dad is from St. Vincent, both of which are in the West Indies. Yes. So big shout up, out to bullet, bullet, Jamaica yo. and to St. Vincent and uh, to all the other West Indian islands because uh, out of many one people, that is the uh, motto of Jamaica, but I feel like the entire West Indies kind of bands together in a sense. So Absolutely. We have a very strong culture coming out of there. So shout out to every other island. And, Love you guys. Um, my family is from the States. Mm-hmm. My father's family is from South Carolina, Orangeburg to be exact. And my mom's family is from Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're old school Baptist country people. Mm-hmm. Came up to New York. All right. So when we think about joining cultures, and this can be any joining of cultures, um, talking about having an open mind and, you know, what does that specifically mean for, like, our relationship? Because, like, the story time, you pretty much were right, talking about right. how you kind of had to have an open mind coming into this conversation that you were yeah, having with absolutely. my dad and his friends. You got to. And it necessarily it couldn't. It could have gone wrong. You know what I it mean? It almost you did. You could have totally taken offense to it, which I'm sure you probably did. I did a take offense bit. to it. I did. You did. Um, I did. So, you know, give us a little bit more, I guess, of the meat of that conversation and why, from their perspective, they felt as if black Americans were lazy. Well, because part part of it had to do with what we were talking about. I was in college at the time. Mm-hmm. So we, we were in college. We were in school. And they were talking about their kids not necessarily going to college. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them had started working right out of high school mm-hmm. and they were paying for their own school by while working. Mm-hmm. And I told them I got a scholarship to play football. And of course, they made fun of me for playing football because football, you don't use your feet. Yeah, you catch the yeah. ball and it's like football is soccer, football right, is soccer. So right. there was a battle there mm-hmm. because they believe football is soccer and, and right. American football, you use um, the real football, basically right. the real football. Right. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> right. No, but, you know, it, I could have taken offense to it. But what it came down to was they were asking questions like, you know, like, you know, if you don't play football, you know, how are you going to go to school? You're not going to get a job. You know what I'm saying? You're not mm-hmm. working. You're not working while you're in school. And I was like, I'm playing football to pay for school. And they were like, my kids are working and going to school. Like, right. why are you not working to go to school? And I think it, too, was just them ribbing me a little bit because mm-hmm. I'm dating Joe's daughter. Right. So they were ribbing me a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I come bit. with a whole team behind me. Yeah, y'all. a whole team of <laughs> West Indian men that sit down there and, and make you feel mad uncomfortable when you sit down there <laughs> screaming, holler at you. Hey, man, hey, man. Hey, boy. Yeah. So um, they were just they were they were coming at me pretty pretty rough at the mm-hmm. time I was twenty. Mm-hmm. So you know my my ego was big. I'm feeling myself. I'm a, I'm a division one athlete. So I'm 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 giving it back to them. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I don't think they were aware of pretty much how educated I, I am about my culture. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they were educated on American culture because my parents mm-hmm. made sure. Like I said, my my grandparents are from Orangeburg, South Carolina. My grandfather fought in the Korean War. Mm-hmm. My grandmother's family was like pivotal on the front lines of the civil rights movement down south the Mm -hmm. ones that moved to georgia so Mm -hmm. it was it's always been like big for me Mm -hmm. to be proud of what my family and my culture has done for this country right so when they were asking me questions and i would i would tell them like yo they they would say you know western people come here we come here jamaicans we come here we'll do anything we'll work any job just to make it and Mm -hmm. i said see but that's part of the the problem." problem yeah you know what i'm saying as black americans we fought so hard to get paid a certain rate, to not have to do certain jobs, to get respected in this country, mm-hmm. that when you come here mm-hmm. and you're willing to do anything, mm-hmm. it takes opportunities away from us. Because mm-hmm. now what they'll do is they'll lower their rate of what they're willing to pay because they know people will come here from other countries and do nothing. Right. And we started having these discussions and they were just like, no, nah, I, didn't, I didn't know that right. you felt that way. Right. And then they were explaining to me how they lived 
in Jamaica and how their families lived. As a young man, you think Bob Marley, you mm-hmm. think Usain Bolt, mm-hmm. Cool Runnings. Mm-hmm. It's all fun and games. Right. Beach, You're not thinking beautiful about, beaches, right. resorts, vacation, right. tourism. Right, reggae. You know, yeah. you think Elephant Man, you right. know, uh, Sean Kingston. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about the rest of the people who are living in like a third world country mm-hmm. who are willing to do anything, anything to survive and send that money back to Jamaica. Right. So I learned a lot about what they were going through there, mm-hmm. listening to their stories. And then they learned a lot about what my family went through going up through Jim Crow. Because my biggest argument to them was like, yo, you talking about how lazy black people are, right? Mm-hmm. You all came here in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Why your family didn't come here in the 60s and the 50s? Because it was Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. And y'all wouldn't want to come to America during Jim Crow. Right. So we fought for those opportunities that y'all came here for in the 70s. Right. So they were respectful of that, you right. know, and, and it turned at first from a joke mm-hmm. into a real serious discussion. Right, right. Like yeah, a real like serious up, discussion. Like history facts yeah. and stuff like that. You know, one thing I can appreciate, um, when I was younger, mm-hmm. my mom and dad put me into a school that was a private school at the time. This is actually we the, both, school yeah, the school we met. that we were both yeah, yeah, in, yeah. Um, Bethlehem Baptist Academy. And it was an all-black school, small private school back in uh, Brownsville in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And what I loved so much about being in that school was that I was surrounded by other black and brown boys and right. girls who Pretty much were just like me, whose families kind of aligned with like, Mm -hmm. you know, moral values. What they instilled in us in that school was just amazing. So shout out to Bethlehem Baptist Academy. Absolutely. Shout Um, out. Now Trey Whitfield School. Now Trey Whitfield School. Raised some great kids. They really, really raised some great kids. Um, But they also made it a point to make sure that us as children knew our African history, yes, our African American history. They were yes. very deliberate, and that's why I was able to learn a lot more about Black history. Right. Like it was like Black History Month every day in that school because because in a public school, it's not in the curriculum. Exactly. You know. So not. I thought that was an amazing thing to Absolutely. have been in that situation and in that environment. But it's funny because now that I look back on it, um, I could sense that there was a tension between some of the teachers in the school. Absolutely. The black American teachers. Absolutely. And then the West Indian teachers. And, and they were clicky. Almost, they, yes. Yeah, they were clicky. They were clicky, but they were also too kind of like a us versus them situation that yes. was going on. Yeah. And it really, at the time, I couldn't pinpoint what it is, but it really wasn't until after meeting you and dating you that I realized, wow, that there it really is this, this tangible tension that exists between black Americans right. and West Indians. Well, a lot of it, too, is also because of the stereotypes that we have within our own you oh, know, cultures of, of being black. Right. You know, like right. just being black is not just black. Like we're not just black. Mm-hmm. There's different versions of black. So mm-hmm. in those different subcultures, you know, there's stereotypes that exist. Like I remember growing up in America and when you thought about Jamaicans or mm-hmm. Haitians or Trinidadians or Africans, it was like, oh, they're, they're not civilized. Mm-hmm. They're not educated. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? All they do is smoke weed. Mm-hmm. All they do is drink. Mm-hmm. So it was like you think you feel as an American black that you're better because they're coming from a smaller country. Mm. You know, and I know there are some stereotypes. And that's what we were discussing with your dad. They felt like black people were lazy. So that's why Jamaicans were coming here. Mm-hmm to take those jobs because right. black people were not willing to do those jobs and they didn't right. want to work hard. Right. That's why they had those issues in America. So those stereotypes about each right. other we had, mm-hmm. you and I had to work to kind of dispel those mm-hmm. stereotypes right. as our family started to mix. Right. Because when we first started dating, Christmas and Thanksgiving are huge to both of our families. Mm-hmm. And when you're dating, it's like, do we spend time at your family? Mm-hmm. Do we spend time in mine? Right. So now, you know, you tell your dad, you know, well, we're going to spend some time here for Thanksgiving. You want to come over to meet her family. Right. Now my parents got to go into this Jamaican version of Thanksgiving. Right. Jamaican and Vincentian. You know, and Vincentian, yes. Yep. Jamaican and Vincentian mm-hmm. version of Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And it's like you, you're, you have, you're worried first of what right. it's going to be like when your parents come meet her parents. Right. But then you get excited because you know that next to the turkey, there's going to be some curry goat. There's right. going to be some roti. <laughs> right. There's going to be some pilau and a couple right. different dishes. So then, right. you know. So And you know my father loves to eat. <laughs> so you know that that's always good. So Scoop was like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Then curry goat. Yeah, I'm good. He was just like, goat. as long as they got some goat and some roti. <laughs> and, and they got some roti. I said, Scoop. 
that we call his dad Scoop. I was like, did you just say Rody? Like R O D I? Rody don't got no D's, bro. Rody don't got no D's. And if you call it Rody with a D, you're not getting none. So you better put the T in the Roti by, okay? Oh, see how she, see how she turned mad. That's what I love about him. When she turned the West Indian shit on. I can on. turn the switch on and off. I and, can turn the switch on and off. It's funny because growing up in, in Brooklyn and Flatbush, particularly, I've always been around West Indian people. Mm -hmm. And my Auntie Angie, who raised me after school when I was going to Bethlehem, because she lived right? in East New York, she was a Guyanese, Guyanese old yeah. Guy Guyanese Indian woman. Mm -hmm. And she, it was just amazing. Like growing up in that environment mm -hmm. and coming home and eating the food mm -hmm. and being in it was just kind of like, man, like that, as part, that's part of the reason why I probably love West Indian women so much. Mm -hmm. It was kind of infused in you from, yes. from, from early. From yeah. young. And then yeah. when you live in Flatbush, they call Flatbush Little Jamaica. Right. So our it church, literally is. shout out to Bethlehem, <laughs> um, shout out to Salem Missionary Baptist Church was on Albemarle and mm -hmm. 23rd. Mm -hmm. So you come out of Albemarle on 23rd, you sitting in the middle of what is like Little Jamaica. Right. You know, they, they had the beef patty shops before Golden Crust was huge. Right. All that That's culture That's when they actually put like the beef in the patties. Like, yeah. I don't know what this paste situation is they have going on. <laughs> the, the paste patties. No shade, but shade Golden Crust. Like, where's the, where's the meat in the patties? Yeah, we need, we need some more beef in them patties. Pause. Yeah. But um, <laughs> growing up like that, I always, I always just had an affinity for West Indian culture and island culture. Right, right, right. It's funny because when I was thinking about this, I said, you know, I was looking at some articles and just reading about once I knew what the topic was. And I came across um, this article by a woman. Her name is Susan Modell, I'm assuming. Um, and it talks about West Indian prosperity if it's a fact or fiction because mm -hmm. when I really look back on it and I've even spoken to my mom, my dad or even family members who have come from the islands to America you know, what was the motivation? Of course the right. motivation is a better life right. you foresee that there's opportunities in America that you can advance yourself and then right. either send money back home to help your right. family right. or send money to then bring your family up here right. or establish some sort of life. And that's what you're your, out here your, your mom went through yes exactly she came to my work, mom to is the, the eldest of six you know her mom and dad her siblings were in jamaica they sent her to new york she came up here by herself you know wow, got, got her job she was 17 18 Damn. she was 18 years old just old enough to work it was literally like a countdown until she was old enough to work wow um they sent her to, to, to new york she was working at a local burger king check this out the local burger king she yep. worked at on church avenue church in remsen charlie was the owner. Uh-huh. And my father and uncle worked in the same Burger King. And With remember, my mom. your uncle, my uncle and your mom worked together they did. under Charlie. I think he hired yes. my mom. Yes, or my uncle your Charles uncle Ellis. Did. Shout yeah. out to my uncle Charles. Yeah. And uh, how crazy is that? So we date back to like yeah, 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 our yeah. parents and aunts and uncles and stuff. But yeah, my mom came up and she was working a job at Burger King. Mm -hmm. And then she was going to nursing school simultaneously because you know if you're West Indian, regardless <laughs> of what island you're from, you can have one of three three jobs to be successful according to the West Indian standard. It. You can be a doctor, a lawyer, or a nurse. That's it. That's where the story ends. That's Anything it. outside of that, it's like, what are you doing with That's your it. life? Failure. What are you doing with Failure. your life? <laughs> but they really came up here because they foresaw the opportunity to advance. Um, and when I was reading more about the, you know, this mm -hmm. article and a couple other ones, it was talking about, you know, are West Indians who come to America super successful because they had the ambition to leave? Mm. Or were they forced out by family members? Right. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. What causes the West Indian person to come up here and then be successful? But right. it may be too because they're like, you know what? By any means necessary, I'm right. going to take this job. I'm going to take several jobs. We know we joke about Jamaicans right. having Jamaicans mad, have jobs, mad jobs. But it's like by any means necessary, I'm going to because all these dollars add up. And as my mom says, every mickle make a muckle. That's a Jamaican That's term. A Jamaican so any okay. yeah, so any little thing you get, you can put it together, and it's going to create mm -hmm. an abundance. Um, but in this article, in particular, I wanted to quote this one um, pass uh, one passage, and it says, "The belief that West Indian blacks are more successful than African Americans first appeared in the 1920s, shortly after these immigrants began arriving." in the United States in recognizable numbers. Early justifications for this opinion included that West Indian immigrants were more entrepreneurial, familistic, scholarly, and diligent than their American or African-American counterparts. Hmm. Today, assumptions about Caribbean superiority remains widespread. A white male manager's comments illustrated public perceptions. And it says, if I had one position open, 
And if it was a West Indian versus a black American, I'd go with the West Indian because of their reliability and their willingness to do the job. They have a different drive than African American blacks. Wow. I don't know. That made me feel some kind of way. I mean, I mean, this is and this was part of the discussion that I had with your dad and his friends Mm -hmm. was that there is a residue from slavery that exists. Absolutely. On black Americans. Absolutely. Where I'm not putting up with your shit. Where I feel like West Indians are more likely to be like, you know what? I just came from my island. I'm going to come here and do whatever I got to do to make it. Mm-hmm. Black people feel like we've been doing everything y'all ask for free. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that I'm shit doing no it. more. Yes. So I feel like the They're difference in the stance. attitude, right? The difference in the attitude makes it easy for a white person to come in and say, well, they're. They work harder. Mm-hmm. You know, you understand what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's unfair to even pin one against the other. Right. Because that creates the friction right. between the two. Right. You see what I'm saying? And part of me wonders, is that strategic? Because also, too, in my reading, I did see something somewhere. I can't quote it right now, but it did talk about, you know, is this a strategy by I mean, if you think about the white it, man to then pin and separate and segregate the black community? Well, I mean. We don't know what the motive is, right. but if you're or thinking if about if you're thinking about uh, just finances, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and take it as a job, mm-hmm. and you're you work you're, you're owner of a job, and now you have these people. You don't want them to create a union. Mm-hmm. You want to break apart the union. Right. You divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Right. Yep. So this this country we live in in America is a capitalistic country that's based on margin. Right. You got to marginalize a certain group of people, right. you know, to make the bottom line the best for you. Mm-hmm. So if you can marginalize these people as much as possible, divide them as much as possible, right. create a divide, it's easier right. Right. to control them. Right. So we don't know what the, you know, we don't know what the motive is, but it seems like it makes sense based on, you know, systematic oppression. Right. The way the laws are created for black people in America, it seems that way. Right. Yeah. It seems like it makes sense from a business standpoint right. and from a systematic oppression standpoint. No, definitely. Um, I think that's the thing. And I feel like also, too, back in the islands, um, there's not really a sense of racism that exists. You know, like in talking mm. to my mom, for example, she felt like, you know, majority of the island is black. Mm. So therefore, they really were the majority. There was no minority. Right. Whereas coming to America, you now have to deal with being the minority. Absolutely. I think what really separates people back in the islands is the socioeconomic status that you have. Right. Um, you know, someone being like a groundsman versus like, you know, having a better job or working in the hotel right. industry. Like there's layers to it. So everyone is divided more so by money and not Absolutely. by skin color at all. Absolutely. Um, you know, not to say that there isn't colorism that exists because of course that, that exists. Yeah, we, and that's we a discussed whole that topic. as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's not something that as West Indians coming to America, you really foresee that you're going to be a minority. And that's, and I think that's where the disconnect comes from Caribbean Americans, excuse me, Caribbean blacks versus American blacks. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not dealing with that type of systematic oppression Mm -hmm. back in your homeland and then you come to America and you just be like, oh, these black people aren't willing to do this, I'll do this. Right. It's kind of like you don't have the knowledge of the history of what has gone Mm -hmm. on. And Mm -hmm. As a, a black American, I can't blame someone from another country for not knowing our history mm-hmm. because there are people in this country who don't know our history. Very true. If I didn't go because to Bethlehem Baptist Academy, yes. right, I wouldn't have learned right. about slavery. I wouldn't right. have learned about Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. And shout out to my mom who is, is like, my mom is, has been so inspirational when it comes to me being socially conscious because my mom was one of the first classes that was integrated into James Madison High School. Wow. Yes, in the 70s. That's dope. She Every was time I bust hear that, in. it gives me chills. Yeah. yeah, she was bust in from Crown Heights, Brooklyn, bust mm-hmm. in all the way to Avenue P. Right. And they were chased out by bats and chains almost every day her first two years in high school during integration, which mm-hmm. is crazy because those are stories that people act like was so long ago. Right. And then when a West Indian person come in and say that black people are lazy, it's like... Are you fucking kidding me? Right. And that's like, not a conversation my mother and father, for example, could have it with your mom because your mom would be like, my oh, mother hell would no. lose it. She would lose if, her yo, shit. Yo, let me tell you right now, if that conversation happened mm-hmm. with your dad and his friends and mm-hmm. my mom mm-hmm. was there, mm-hmm. my mother would have lost her mind. Yeah. My mother went all wrong. My mother would have lost her mind and been like, Deval, get your shit <laughs> and let's go. Right. Because that's that. She's that. 
she feels that strongly about education. As she should. You know, she works for DP now. And about now, the opportunity she has now. And she she loves her community, mm-hmm. but she's always big on understanding black culture. No, she she's always you know? the first one to text us like, remember to vote today. Yes. Or, you know, it's, yes. it's, it's primary. She's so lived it's through local it. election. So she's she takes her opportunity to be able to vote and be active in your community and take right. a stance and be able to tell your local officials what it is you want and need. Yes. I mean, she'll My start rattling off it. names and districts and who you got to talk all to. The, she knows all the assemblymen. She knows all of the yes. local government. Yes. She's, and that's because, because she she's been through it. active in the movement itself, active in the movement. So, you know, it's all about showing compassion for each other's cultures. And, you know, we always, I feel like after that discussion, have been able to really just join together and really appreciate who we are, where yeah. we've come from. You know, I'm super proud of my heritage um, yes. being, you know, from the from the West Indies. And, you know, Deval has totally, like he said, Deval looks at any opportunity to feel like let people know how uh west indian he is so. i am i feel like i feel like i'm a rasta at heart yo <laughs> I, I honestly do feel like i'm a rasta some of y'all have seen and if you haven't you have to check out the vlogs that we have on youtube where we, we chronicle us going to jamaica for my 35th birthday yes which was epic yes it was epic. okay it was epic on so many yes. levels we had great. 30 of my friends and family who actually came out and um you know we took our children out there with us as well of course because it was a milestone for me but i look for any opportunity i can get to make sure our kids know mm-hmm. where they come from because they got to know where the hell they going and going to jamaica with them yeah. was nice to be on the beach and on the resort and everything but after those festivities were over we made sure that we allotted time in our in our schedule yeah. and our itinerary to take them off the resort yes to go into kingston into kingston to go to the bob marley museum for example just yes. to show you know because jackson will always listen to his music and and cairo you know i think cairo's a lost marley I, yeah i do think <laughs> he's he lost marley too. Lost he's marley. definitely a rebel he is um but we took them down there and it was an educational experience yeah for Jackson to just see a different part of Jamaica that's not all the glitz and not all the glamour and the, the beaches and the resorts and the room service, right. but seeing, you know, people who are just walking the street day to day and, you know, getting some background on Bob Marley and what he did. And I know that documentary that we watched there really kind of, I think we all felt something. Yeah. I felt so connected to Bob. It sounds and cliche, story. but it feels like his spirit still existed. Literally. And it's it's in his his home. Literally. So you you feel it so much cuz you actually get to walk the grounds that Bob Marley walked and created so much content and music. Mm-hmm. And then you get to see the bullet holes from where he, they tried to assassinate him. Right. And to me, having children made it that much more important for us mm-hmm. to understand each other's culture. Yeah. Because I have to be able to teach my children, my boys, mm-hmm. about mom's culture the right. same way I got to teach about dad's culture. Right. And going to going to the museum and having watching their eyes as they looked around, and then Jackson quoting the numbers of how many children and how long he you know he was on Earth and when right. he died, and it's like wow, he's really learning. Right. But think about it. You know how many people from Brooklyn have probably never been out of Brooklyn. How many mm-hmm. kids who were born in the states who mm-hmm. have. West Indian parents mm-hmm. or, or come roots from anywhere roots else, anywhere Africa, else have never anything, seen. Yeah. And that's and I think it's important when you're blending cultures to take them back to mm-hmm. where because I learned a lot. Even when we went to Elsha, and it's funny because it's spelled H E L H E L L S H I R E. And I was like, We're going to Hellshire. <laughs> and Kate and looked we at me like, like, where like you what are you <laughs> I was like, we're going to Hellshire. Can you can you take can us you to Hellshire? Can you tell us how to get to Hellshire Beach? <laughs> and I was like, Val, drop the H. Yeah, you know, I learned this in, in <laughs> Jamaican culture. Any word that begins with H, take it off. Take it off. Throw and it any away. any word that don't have no vowels, you add a H. <laughs> that has the vowel. Yes. Yes. So if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, if you're gonna eat food to eat it, you gotta eat food to heat it. Right. You see that? You see what I did? My there? grandfather was like yes. great with that. Yeah, must. Heat food to eat it. Kidding, you don't, you're not done eat yet? You're not done heat yet? Heat? <laughs> you know, I'd be like, okay, Grandpa, I already heated up the food and I'm going to eat it now. But then I know, I love it. So yeah, yeah Devout totally assimilated. I did. And so we went to Elsha. Yeah. And we were on the beachfront and you see all of these people who stereotypically you see them, right? And most people would be scared. Because you hear all these stories about Kingston and Jamaica. and you, Did I watch the yeah, movie Shatter one too many times? I watch Shatter's for a whole Shatters. summer every day, son. Uh-huh. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Big, you're gone too far now, man. Who are you dealing with? That's one of my favorite movies. So good. You and this banana bone. Don't you ever. 
ever say nothing about no banana, banana boat, boat again. again. Which was so impressive <laughs> to me. I was like, yo, you watch Chata's, but I didn't see yes. Friday. Or, I know. Or like The Last Dragon or... I would never really used to listen to like rap. I don't even know who like, you are. Yeah. She she didn't listen oh, to rap, y'all. I didn't listen to rap like that. What was going on in your house, B? Reggae and soca. Wow. All the time. Reggae well, I, and soca. I ain't mad at that because you learn how to work that waist. <laughs> but um <laughs> Plenty waist pelting, yes. <laughs> so so we go we go to Elsha and we pull up in a van. You know, Kay's dad is first of all, he's like the mayor. Everywhere we go, he knows people. And this is where this is what I love about his spirit, right? One time I had to drop him in Brooklyn somewhere. My dad. And yeah, mm-hmm. your dad, right? So he's 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 sixty plus years old, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Yo, I need you to drop me here. So the address is in on Pitkin mm-hmm. in, in Brownsville. So I don't know if you guys know this, but Brownsville is like the hood of the hood of Brooklyn. So I'm like, yo, Pops, you sure this is where you're supposed to go? <laughs> right? And he's like, yeah, man, yeah, man. Yeah, and we were like, why do you like, want to go there? Yeah, I'm like, why, why am I dropping you to Brownsville? So we pull up into Brownsville. And I know people in Brownsville because I run a mentorship program in East New York and Brownsville. And the football team that we partnered with was in uh, Brownsville on Mother Gaskin. So I see some of these dudes. And I'm like, yo, these dudes are dudes that I know that, you know, they, they bang hard. <laughs> so then your pops get out the car mad smooth, right? He looking around and then I hear, hey, yo, Joe, Joe. And then he give it, he put his hands up and all mm-hmm. these young dudes got their hands up at your pops. Like, yo, Joe, come true, come true. Yeah. And then he look at me and he's just like, all right, man, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Right, right. Then he walk into this little basement party <laughs> with all these young dudes. I'm like, yo, your father <laughs> is the G, son. He really is. And y'all have to watch that vlog because you will see my father turn up like no other. Like, he yeah. wants to know where we were going, what the next move was. He was there every every the step of the way. The phone party was amazing. Yes. He just had his drink covered because he always has his drink in hand and he's just chilling, so... So we, that was funny. we're in Jamaica, we pull up to Elisha and same thing, a bunch of young dudes come up to the, the van slowly. And what I found out about the culture is that's their way of getting tourists and getting people to come to, to their, their, restaurant. their restaurant. They yeah. have people at the door that greet them. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not like the States where they greet you with a tuxedo <laughs> and shoes on. <laughs> right. They have on shorts. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? They smoking. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They they come through and they're like, yo, 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 yo. You want a fish? You want a fish? You want mm-hmm. a fish? Fresh fish, fresh lobster, all that. So then, you know, Pops is in the front and the driver knows, you know, one of your father's great friend Lindley mm-hmm. he you know he knows the guy so they drive us through we following through this dark alley it's mm-hmm. starting to get dark now yeah and we pull out and it's a bunch of huts mm-hmm. and you see people sitting outside and they're looking at us mm-hmm. you know we're looking at them you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying but I'm always comfortable in those type of situations right. as long it could as be intimidating if you don't know yeah if you don't yeah. know the culture it's intimidating yeah. so we you know we say hello to everybody what's up what's up and then we go in there and they start pulling out fish from mm-hmm. the cooler that they just fished from the ocean right. outside. they just caught them, so they're like fresh, fresh. And that's always the best way to have it. Shout out to uh, Mill's Seafood Restaurant. Yes, Mill's Seafood, they, yes. Mill's Seafood was bomb. And we had they some good treated food. us so nice. Right. The kindest people. Yes. And the food was fucking bomb. It sure was. Lobster and fish. <laughs> it was bomb. Right. You have a nice red stripe. And the kids are running around with a bunch of other kids outside. And I'm like, yo, like... This is the part of the culture that we don't ever get to see. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because right. when you live in the States, you get caricatures of other people's culture. The same right. way when you live in Jamaica, you get caricatures of what you think the States people are. Right. And it's not till you break it down to its purest form, you realize right. how pure and nice right. we all are as people. Because my dad, my, you know, I said he was from St. Vincent. I think Vincentian people are some of the most genuine just all around sweet, like good yes, people. So, you know, I was a little disheartened at first when I know that you had this conversation with my dad and I saw that you were bothered mm-hmm. by it because I know my father means no harm and he really right. does not have a, a mean soul in his body. He or doesn't. He a, doesn't. A, you know, a, a, um, I love pops. Yeah, he does not like, he does, He loves everybody. So for, yes. for you to have felt like I'm being attacked and these people are calling my people you know, lazy and right. whatever it was, it really was just for lack of knowledge. And, and understanding. It's crazy how ignorance, when blending any culture, yes. regardless of what it is, it's crazy how sometimes just ignorance and not knowing yeah. can completely create a divide. Yeah. And once you break that down, it's amazing how you can see things just flourish. 
Wow. But it was it was like a great experience going there. And we have to go to St. Vincent next. I know you've been to St. Vincent with yes. Tiffany on your own. I went with a, with a girlfriend. We Y'all went, went like into the country. Trips. Oh, my God. St. <laughs> Vincent is such a beautiful island. And yeah. I think it's super underrated. Um, but it's a beautiful island. And the St. Vincent and the Grenadines, so they're surrounding islands. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because when I was in St. Vincent with Tiffany, I took her just because it was like a, you know, a girl's trip. I was like, let's try here. You mm-hmm. know, and at first I was kind of, my mom at first was like, oh, my God, why would you go to St. Vincent? There's like, like not much to do there if right. you're looking for activity. But this was a mommy trip. So we were looking to go and just kind of chill and veg out on the beach. Um, and then I tell you, it was beautiful. And Tiffany keeps asking me, when are we going to go back? There's surrounding islands. So the Grenadines mm-hmm. around St. Vincent. So we took a boat over to Beckway, which is another island that also has beautiful That's what's beaches. Up. That's what's up. Um, we wanted to go to Mystique. But then we couldn't go to Mystique that time because one of the um, royals, uh, Prince somebody from Just took England, over the whole island. They shut the island down because he was vacationing there. So I was like, wow. I was like, I can't believe yeah, like man. people are coming from all these different parts of the world to this beautiful island. So, yeah, shout out to St. Vincent. I know y'all feel like I don't give y'all as much love. I know. <laughs> she'd, be at home, she'd be at home talking about So We got to go to St. Vincent because my St. Vincent people, yeah, they're going to disown me. They're going to disown me because, you know, we talked about Jamaica so much, especially because I went there for right. my birthday and stuff. And that was mainly because it was easy to access. Um, now, I think St. Vincent has an international airport, so they're working yeah, on they're getting growing. flights in and out. They're doing some things now. Yeah, Shout they're out doing to St. Vincent, So yeah. I don't have to worry about flying into another country and getting the Kevin Liat. Kevin Little. Getting the Liat, yep. Kevin Little is known for, like, that song, Turn Let Me On. And that song still goes hard in, like, every club. That was, that was high school days. I got yeah. some of my nicest dubs to those songs. Did you? Whoa. You fresh, you fresh. Yes, I am, but no, I am. yeah. So they, he that song still goes hard. I actually had put it on my Instagram the other day, and he had DM'd me and was just like, "Yo, you listen to my music?" I'm like, "Yeah, Vincey Love." So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Talking about cultures, what's the one thing you learned about Black American culture since dating me that you feel like you didn't know before? That you feel like like now you're like, "Wow, now I understand a little bit about how you are." So you understand. Um, one thing I did learn about you, aside from that Friday is a funny-ass movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mad funny. Mad I funny. still don't really get The Last Dragon, but whatever. That's maybe just... Do, don't, a, don't, don't, don't. Maybe it's an acquired don't taste. Don't throw out The Last Dragon now. Right. Maybe it's an acquired taste. I just gave taste. you your black card back. I'll take that <laughs> shit right back. But I do understand and I respect why you really appreciate the struggle and where blacks have come over time being around your mom and learning about her history and the things mm-hmm. she's had to go through i understand why um you are the way you are with that and why you're so passionate about it and i think that with the current climate in our country it's necessary for you to then teach our boys mm-hmm. about this as well and about you know their history and 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 why it's so important as a black man to know certain things and being being able to kind of sharpen their moral compass at this point because right. you're able to now impart on them things that you've learned. And I admire that and I've learned so much just from being a part of your family because your family has completely opened their arms to me from day one. Yeah, and they has, love you. And they have embraced me as their own you know, daughter and um, I'm sure you can say it's vice versa now. No, absolutely, absolutely. Like your family has definitely embraced me and I've learned a lot about West Indian culture outside of what I thought I knew, mm-hmm. you know, growing up in Flatbush. Right. Like I said, you so think, it wasn't you know, just all about broke ups and roti. No, that's because that's all I did back in the day was broke up. I used to dance. <laughs> the mean broke up. Hey, I used to hey. dance back in the day. Yeah, and um, I love eating beef patties. I love roti. I love curry goat oxtail. <laughs> like I just, I love the food. And the menu continues. And I love the women. Um, but I learned so much about why people come to the states mm-hmm. from these islands and. It's 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 a different type of escape, you know, because black in in America when you're black you're trying to escape sometimes persecution from police. Mm-hmm. You're trying to escape systematic oppression, mm-hmm. so you feel like there's nowhere else for me to go. I'm mm-hmm. here in America. This is all I got. Mm-hmm. And when you're from a smaller island mm-hmm. and you're trying to escape different levels of persecution from the government, even though they may look like you, you know right. what I'm saying? You've been oppressed. You like I, I just wanted the ability to grow and prosper. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, right. and that's what I learned from your mom and your dad because their stories are very similar. Your father came here, you know, made money, sent back, helped your mom's family come here, mm-hmm. and for them it was about owning property mm-hmm. and not only owning property but educating their kids mm-hmm. when they had kids. And that's the biggest thing I learned about West Indian culture. Y'all are all about education. Oh yeah, you know, and Big there's time. there's a huge difference between 
Caribbean culture and American culture because in Caribbean culture, they're all about books mm -hmm. because of where they come from. The educational systems aren't as good as Americans. So they're mm -hmm. like, yo, you better go to school and get books, books, books. Whereas I feel like for black Americans, sometimes you're allowed to create. Like when I told my parents I wanted to go to school for speech communication and, and performance, they didn't look at me funny. Mm -hmm. They were just happy you were going to college. They were happy I was going to college. Right. And it wasn't, you know, and they're happy I got a scholarship. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like. Right. You know, but I feel you were like, like the first generation to really go to a four-year college. Yeah, well, my aunt, my aunt Monique, okay. shout out to my aunt right, Monique. Right. Um, she went to Northeastern, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah, she went to Northeastern. The played mean, volleyball. Mean volleyball player. Played volleyball. Yeah, she could have been a basketball player. She was a beast athlete. Graduated, got her degree, but she was the first in our family to get her degree. Okay. My mom didn't get her degree. Mm -hmm. My dad got his associates mm -hmm. from Kingsborough. So, in in that part of the family, I was the first to get my degree. But for them, they their all their dream was like, you could do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. You know, you're here, you, you could do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. For your father, when you told him you was getting in a TV, he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you, you're gonna do what? <laughs> I think even, we have a podcast now. We're working on like developing a show, and I think my father still to this day does not understand what the hell it is I'm no doing. No clue. He has He's no just clue. Like, girl, you did not go to nursing school. My sister totally like one up me, and she's a nurse. <laughs> So yeah, so like, now you're no longer the favorite. I was never the favorite. Let's be oh, no. clear. Sakari was always, always your favorite. father's favorite. That yes. is the truth. That and, is and true. And he will say it because he's like, Kadeen, you nice and all, but Sakari, <laughs> and he makes no jokes about it. Yeah. Like he'll tell y'all, like Sakari's my favorite. And then she, now she's a nurse. Like, oh my god, forget it. Right. Forget it. And I was like, Dad, but don't you understand? Like, I can make nurse like money and just right. not be in that particular field Doesn't and matter. still be successful. And he was See, like, Be an entrepreneur. Have your own business. Why? You better punch your nine. Nine to five clock, you better punch your seven to three right. clock. Do your do your work and then come home and just be comfortable. And I was like, I ain't trying to just be comfortable. I'm trying to right. be like successful, successful. Right. You know. Um, but you know, so, you know what's funny though? That article that you read, right? When they talk about they felt like West Indians had more entrepreneurial spirit, right? It's crazy to me because I feel like West Indians are more about titles. Mm -hmm. Like even your mom, absolutely. Your mom is so much on titles because they came here with nothing, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like, I got to get this title because mm -hmm. that means something. Mm -hmm. So for me, I feel like that was actually the opposite. Right. Because they weren't coming here just to create their own job. It mm -hmm. was to work. Mm -hmm. Now, they might have bought property. Right. But, you know, if you own property, you can become a realist and get into real estate, be an entrepreneur right. that way. But it was about working. Right. Like, I want to work and have right. a title. I'm a director. I'm a supervisor. Right. You know, superintendent. It's about climbing the ladder, whatever yes. that ladder of success is within yes. that, that, you know, I'm going to start as a paralegal and then I'm going to be a partner and then I'm going to, you right. know, like, there was always a ladder, I feel mm -hmm. like. And that's true. Like, I've, I've definitely seen that with my mom. Um, you know, and they're all about, like, working the way up as well, too. You know, yeah. starting at the entry level and then um, always furthering education to then advance your title. Yep, definitely. It's just, it's been great. Having the boys mm -hmm. because they they grow up in two different cultures, mm -hmm. and watching them do what they do as far as kids, mm -hmm. but knowing that they're Southern black and Caribbean at the same time, right? Because even with religion, and uh -huh. we could talk about we could save religion for another day because mm -hmm. your parents grew up Seven Day Adventists and my right. parents grew up Baptist, right? But it's just been great to watch them learn and commingle. No, absolutely. And, and kind of accept both. Right. I mean, know? ultimately, I feel like there even shouldn't be a us versus them or. No, it's definitely not black a us Americans versus them. versus like West Indian Americans. Like the no. versus thing just really always puts you in that ring where there has to be a dominant or there has to be a winner. Right. And I feel right. like we can just learn so much from each other, from the richness of both cultures absolutely. historically. Absolutely. You know? When people ask you what you are, mm -hmm. you say. I say I'm Jamaican of Ascension. Right. And I say I'm American. Right. When they ask the boys, mm -hmm. what are they going to say Right, they are? I don't know. I mean, we, I don't think we've had this discussion yet, at least with Jackson, because he's older. But, I mean, I guess they would say, of course, they're American. Because at this point now, they're what, like a quarter Jamaican and a quarter of Ascension. Right. But, I mean, they definitely are going to have to know where they're from. But they have a huge Caribbean background. Like, if, you, if you think about it. That that half of their family mm -hmm. were, was all born out of this country. They were all yeah. like their grandma who raised them, their great grandmother to. who raised them, yeah. was born here right. and you know came here. They're immigrants. Right. Their grandfather who raised them, immigrant. Right. 
I think that I think too that they're gonna have the same pride that I have. Like right. you know, yes, I can. I'm American because I was born here. Um, but whenever I'm asked, I usually identify with my culture because people will look at me and be like, "Well, I don't really know where you're from. Where are you from?" Or they can sense that there is like right. an accent sometimes. So they're right. like, "Okay, where's that accent from?" You know, depending on what what I'm speaking about. Um, so yeah, I'm always and and there's a pride. That mm-hmm. I think the West Indian community has, regardless right. of what island you're from, there's always this ongoing pride for, for that, the culture. For that island and that culture. For that right. culture. Like, think about Labor Day on Eastern Parkway. Like, that's one thing in Brooklyn that I love. It's like when all the cultures come together, all the islands, and everyone is repping so hard for whatever island it is that right. they're from. So I think that sense of pride is something that was instilled in me. Mm. Um, and I would love to, you know, instill that in the boys. Because, you know, Jackson has his moments, too, when he'll, you know, drop some pato. And I'm like, wait a second, you're paying attention to well, like, I mean, what's he, going on. He's with grandma all the time. He's with your, your grandmother all the time. And right. your grandmother, you know, she speaks pato all the time. Right. But my thing is is also just identifying like your true essence, right? Mm-hmm. Because for for Black American people, and maybe this just may be me in particular, but I am proud to be a Black American mm-hmm. because we built this country. You can't take that uh-huh. from us. And then on top of building it for mm-hmm. free, mm-hmm. we're now learning how to control and manipulate mm-hmm. the markets within it to gain right. more power. Right. There's a pride in that. You made the comment that you feel like I can't necessarily claim America because I didn't build it. Meaning... My parents came from yes. the West Indies. Yes. Can you elaborate on that for me? Because that can be that can that kind of struck a nerve a little bit. I, I think is even think though I was born here. I think it's kind of clear. Okay. Let's okay. Did you, did you have to do the whole neck? Situation? I did. I did. I did because <laughs> you trying to attack me. Like I, I wasn't attacking you. No, 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 it wasn't an attack. But I just want to be clear on like what you meant by that. Okay. I'll, let's let's think about it like this hot button topic right now in America, right? Mm-hmm. Reparations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they talk about. Descendants of slavery okay. in America. Mm-hmm. Were your parents descendants of slaves in America? Not in America, So you no. get no reparations. <laughs> but I'm married to you, so I get half. <laughs> if, if I allow it. If you're, in, if you're a good girl. By way of. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I'm, and, but being more serious, it's like, mm-hmm. I, I legitimately, like my, my grandfather fought in the Korean War. Mm-hmm. And on the way back when they had POWs, mm-hmm. my grandfather couldn't sit. The POW sat. Wow. Because he was a black soldier wow. in an American army. I was about to say, yeah, tell like, us about Pop. You know how crazy that Pop. is? You know how yes. crazy that is? Yes. Like he went and fought in this for this country. Mm-hmm. But they treat the, the prisoners of war better than they treat the black Americans in America. And then when you come back to America, they still treat you like shit. Like, and I think people don't value that enough. What black Americans have, have gone through in this country. No disrespect. But your parents didn't have to go through that here. Mm-hmm. They came here after that fight was over mm-hmm. and are now reaping the benefits. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a, you can't claim America. But when people try to discredit what black Americans have done in this country to get us to this point. Right. For me, it strikes a nerve. Absolutely. Like it, it, it really does that. strike a nerve because mm-hmm. and, and it, it did strike a nerve with your 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 dad and his friends. Right. Because I Once wanted to be like that. lazy. We and cannot we discredit that. that. You know yep. what I'm saying? We not cannot discredit that. that. And that, and then you know, I'm gonna apologize if you you know took it the wrong way because it could come off a little bit kind of fucked up. Just, you know what I'm saying? I, you, both of your, your parents, opinion. both of your parents were from here. Their descendants didn't build this country, right. whereas my parents did. And realistically, it was just like a little bit of a measure of mm-hmm. what are my sons gonna claim? Right. Because I don't want my sons to feel the pressure I felt. In high school where, mm-hmm. oh, you from America, you not cool. Because right. we're from islands and the culture is great and celebrated. Right. Black American culture is not celebrated the same way. Right. So for me, when they say, you know, you know, where you from? Or you're not from an island, now I'm American. Like, <laughs> why are you trying to downplay? Because I, I went through that in high school. Really? Oh, you just American. Oh. What the fuck does that mean? I'm just American. Like, right. that, And it was a huge argument. Mm-hmm. It was a huge argument in school one day. With the classmates? And, yeah, in Madison because man, I remember Flag Day. Mm-hmm. Flag Day was a big deal, mm-hmm. right, And in, in uh, Madison. Mm-hmm. And everyone wore the flags for the countries they represented. Right. Right? That's the thing like on Eastern Park. Right? Yes. Yeah. So I wore the American flag one time. Right. And people were just like. Because you are American. Because I'm American, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, so you rep in America? And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm American. Mm-hmm. And then they were just like, oh, that's, that's kind of like whack. Like, how dare you represent America? <laughs> right. On flag, they're like, this is our day. Right. We're in your country. We get it. There's your country. But, you you know. Right. And I was like, what you? What do you, like, what does that even mean? <laughs> Kids were just, you know, kind of getting at me like, yo, you know, you're just American. Like, 
Like it's cool to be, mm-hmm. it's cool to be West Indian, but to just be American is like right. you have no culture, you right. have no swag. Right. And I want to, I want my boys to know, mm-hmm. like you have to find pride in the fact that your ancestors built this country, mm-hmm. fought for the rights in this country mm-hmm. that we live in. So. Say, say, you know, because this always happens. Say Jackson grows up and he's either a football player, the president, or is in entertainment. Mm -hmm. They're going to ask him, you know, what are you? Right. His Wikipedia page is going to be very important. (laughs) And if they say that he's of Jamaican descent and that's the first thing he says, you know, American blacks are going to be pissed off. Mm. And if he says that he's American and they don't mention that he's from Jamaican and Vincentian descent or he's not from St. Vincent, those people are going to be pissed off. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do we prepare our children mm-hmm. to embrace both right and rep both right and and identify because you you don't say you're American that. even right. though you were born here in America right. you don't identify with American I mean, your family just, and you really can't right like your family didn't fight for slavery or fight for right. like you, you don't right. fight for America yeah. right like I mean, civil rights here your parents were in islands right. you know what I'm saying they weren't here so I get why you say I'm Jamaican of intention right right and I usually say I was born here in America but my roots are you know what which I mean which makes in sense Jamaican so just to give a total picture of what exactly right. is happening here so I mean I don't really foresee too like when it comes to dating culturally like I'm thinking about our sons because when it came to dating for me my parents weren't like oh well you have to date another West Indian or you have to date within the confines of they never put those kind of pressures on me my mother was actually like you ain't dating nobody bitch so <laughs> right, <laughs> she right, was right, just right. like uh, your mother hated me when I first she came she was around. just like oh no like my parents were like super strict you know overprotective yes. you know thank god they were cause I have become the, the nice woman that I am today yes. because of that and my good old West Indian upbringing I think upbringing though is something that we can both kind of can compare and Mm. they're similar because I don't think in a West Indian household or in a black American household, we took no shit. Like our parents on both yeah. sides didn't take no shit. Yeah. Manners was something that was very, yes, very a lot of prevalent, you know, in the household. Religion. No talking back, religion, faith. faith. Yes. Those are a lot of parallels that yes, we did absolutely. have. Which I think made dating for us, though we did have differences in the beginning, you know, like my father not knowing about the culture. Right. That was easy for our families to assimilate now. Yeah, absolutely. While dating. Because the because the, the moral values existed on both sides exactly and when the moral values exist on both sides it's easier right trying to sit back and say you know what i can write he he may be a little different right but i know that his daughter gonna take care of my son and i know that their son is gonna take care of my daughter as long as the moral values exist right and i think that's something that we paralleled in both households when we talk about our upbringing or the way our parents dealt with certain Mm -hmm. situations or even the school bethlehem that we went to like whether the teacher was a west indian teacher or the teacher was a black american teacher they took no disrespect Mm -hmm. like that was just something that was not tolerated right um so i think that made dating for us and then eventually marriage and now our views on parenting and the things that we tolerate with our kids kind of similar so with the boys though you're going to make sure that they, when they say, you want to have them say, I'm Jamaican-American, I'm Vincentian-American. Um, right. How are you going to have them identify? I think they, yeah, I think they should. They should definitely big up the culture and be like, I'm Jamaican-Vincentian-American. I like it. You I like, like it? it? You in agree? Like agree? Deadass. Deadass. Right. We're in agreement. Right. We're in agreement with that. Good, good, good. Coming up, we're going to get into some listener letters, but after these ads... This for the record. There it is. A win for the ages. Tiger Woods is one of our most awe-inspiring sports icons. And his story, it comes with many chapters. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. But here it is. The return to glory. This is All-American. A new series from Stitcher, hosted by me, Jordan Bell. You realize Tiger Woods doesn't know who he is. Best in the history of golf. No question in my mind. And this season, with the help of journalist Albert Chen, we're asking. What if the story of Tiger Woods that the media has been telling, what if it's been completely wrong? All-American Tiger is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. So, everybody knows this part of the show. Mm-hmm. Listening, Listening letters. letters. Yeah. 
I love this. I love this. Very nice. So let's see what we're talking about today. Oh, these are interesting. So they're not necessarily dealing with blending cultures, but it is kind of relevant because um, the question is, what was the point where you all knew the leap of faith to start your own business? I guess so, just to frame it differently. At one point, do we know to start our own business? Though it doesn't necessarily deal with blending of cultures, but my father, again... Yes. Being his like, you know, get your nine to five. Mm -hmm. He could not foresee the businesses that we wanted to start. But so, but he did own property to supplement did, his right, income. He did. So he kind yes. of we kind of did have that. And he was very mindset. smart because he he was able to buy property in Brooklyn. Right. During the, the late 80s. Early yeah. 90s. He and my mom worked really hard to make sure that they were able to do that and start that kind that of funded real your education. And yes. And gave me lots of opportunities. So shout, so shout out, out, to, out to dad for that. Um, but yeah. When did we know that we wanted to start this? This, this was easy for me. Yeah. Playing in the NFL. Yeah. Yes. Because. I always, I always wanted to own my own mm-hmm. part of what my mom and dad taught me. I always wanted to get into real estate. But I never forget the end of my third preseason. I had the best preseason I ever had in the NFL. The first year in the NFL, I, I made the team, then cut, then put on a practice squad, then made the team, played the rest of the year. Second year, I didn't even play in the preseason because I was hurt and I made the team. was put on the PUP. The third year, I had the best year, and I got cut. And what that showed me was that I never wanted to live my life where my livelihood was dependent upon another man's decisions. Mm -hmm. So for me, at that point, it was, I need to own my own business. Mm -hmm. I need to make my own money because if I'm constantly going to work and hoping that I'm going to continue to get a check by jumping through the hoops of someone else. Right. At any given time, they can just say, nah, no. we want to go in another direction. Hoping that you don't get laid off. Or yeah. hoping that new management doesn't come in and they, they everyone's a wash. That, like, I couldn't yeah. do it. And you know what's funny? I did not necessarily have that business acumen in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't foresee the business side of things and how it would flourish. Um, I think, too, because it was always ingrained in me to be sure that I had a stable job, whatever that job was. Again, like my dad, you know, working in the hospital, my mom being a nurse, like they wanted to make sure that I was able to um, sustain the lifestyle by having that guaranteed quote unquote money. But then when you really think about it, it's like, what exactly is guaranteed money? Right. You know, um, or is it really guaranteed? You know, and the turning point for me, particularly with business and why I wanted to start my own, was um, moving back to you know New York yeah. after the NFL was over and Deval wanting to start up his business. I was working at Matt Cosmetics mm-hmm. um, as you know an artist and as a manager, and I was kind of working my way up the ladder there because yeah. again I was taught by my family like start at the ground and you work your way up the ladder and, and that's you what you always did. That's what you always did. And that's did. what I always did. But you know, I think at that point. Being with you and hearing how you were starting a business and being so inspired by that, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm about to flip this whole makeup situation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to learn the craft more. I'm going to hone in on my skills. I'm going to work that ladder, learn about being a leader, learn mm-hmm. about how the business works, learn about you know revenue calendars and this, that, and the third. So that way I can then give myself the opportunity to right. step away from the confines of working for Frank and Frank, who are the owners right, of right, that, right. and then start my own business where it can be more lucrative for me. I can have the flexibility that I wanted to have. You know, I will never forget at that Thanksgiving where I had to leave the family. Jackson was still a baby at the time. Yes. And I had to leave the family because at this Black point Friday. now, it was Black Friday. That's when the store was opening at like midnight. So I had to leave Thanksgiving dinner to get dressed, put my all black on, makeup on. And I, I literally cried in your arms. And I was like, I don't want to have to go into work. Like, I this remember. This is so unfair. I remember. I cannot enjoy this holiday with my family because I have to go make them money on Black Friday, which is not even te- Black Friday yet. I think now it's at the point where there's not even a Thanksgiving day anymore. Nah. People are having to work on Thanksgiving yeah. because of making money. Yeah. So I said, you know what? At that point, you know, I told you how I felt about it. And mm-hmm. you were like, babe, we're going to work so hard. I remember. I'm going to make it so that you don't have to miss another Thanksgiving. And so said, so done. So, you know, that was really at the point when we knew early on that we wanted to start our own businesses. Yeah. It was just pretty much wanting autonomy over our lives. Over so. our lives. Yeah. And wanting to be there and be active in our children's life as well. And to be able to work on our acting careers, you know? Well, actually, which is you know that that answer actually segues us into the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone asked, you know, talk about Deval's post on IG to take care of home and let you do your thing. Right. Oh, so you had posted um, recently, I think. Yeah, I did. Um, I did post recently right, right, right. about it. Mm-hmm. And um, this post kind of came from a question that was asked when we were at Broccoli City. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a young lady asked, you know, what what is the best way or how do you guys support each other? Mm-hmm. You know, in your own dreams. Mm-hmm. And the post came from that because I was sitting back and I think and I, I answered her question that day about how we big each other up and we talk a lot about each other's projects mm-hmm. when we're doing projects. If, if we're doing projects where I can see there can be some cross promotion, I'll mention mm-hmm. Kadeen. But then I really realized afterwards mm-hmm. that the best way that I could support my wife is by just getting out the way mm-hmm. and making sure everything else is out of her way. Right. You know, so oftentimes it's left on the women to be responsible for taking care of home and the kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've been I've been guilty of that sometimes. Like when I was the breadwinner and I was really focused on my career and my craft, it was like, yo, okay, can you just focus on this? Can you just do this so I can focus on that? Mm-hmm. And in doing that, we were able to prosper. But then parts of me realized, like, damn, there's things that she wants to do right. that, you know, I have to kind of, take time away from what I'm doing to grab that mm-hmm. so that she can focus. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was kind of like, we're trying to build this empire together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Kadeem probably could handle all the home stuff and I could go on and flourish, right? Mm-hmm. But how dope would it be is if, while I see she's flourishing, mm-hmm. let me just grab the kids real quick. Let me right. pause what I'm doing. Right. Let me pause real quick. Let me grab the kids. Let me take care of home. Perfect mm-hmm. example, when you, you you booked your first Netflix uh deal to be a, a key makeup artist oh, on the show yeah. shout out to uh it's bruno shout out to it's, super proud but uh, of that. you had to take on that whole project as yeah, a key makeup artist for a whole month makeup artist for a whole month while they shot this show for i think it was 20 days or 22 days and literally long hours you know on set yeah. you're there for like anywhere between 12 to 15 hours per day mm-hmm. so i literally did not see my husband and my children for an entire month yeah um but devout knew this was my opportunity to you know get some experience in the field you know yeah. with makeup to be on an actual set to work with some actors as well it was great for me too as an actor to now see another side of it how yeah. things are being shot yeah. so it was really like a hands-on learning experience for me and also a way for me to do my makeup I had my team you know we were cohesive we were working together yeah. Devout ended up booking a role in that series as well Right. so it was just really great at that time because it was like all hands on deck so between Devout and my family they were able to just hold up, hold down the fort so I can then flourish in this opportunity and I think the tides shift for us a lot yeah. you know depending on what the opportunity is Absolutely. so Devout may have an opportunity to capitalize on something yeah. so I'll have to hold the kids down but what I appreciate about you is that you never I never feel oppressed in this relationship I never mm. feel oppressed within the household because even though sometimes you are, you're direct with telling me what you need and mm. it may come across as like okay I'm gonna need you to do XYZ I appreciate that you're transparent about that so I know okay Deval needs this to be his best self right now right. so I'm gonna do that to ensure that he can be his best self and, and I can appreciate that you're willing to do that but it makes me that much more prepared to do it when you need it. Right. You see what I'm saying? The reciprocity is the rest, Yeah, because yeah. absolutely. Like, I, I say to myself sometimes, like, yo, this woman took a year and a half off to have a child from TV. Then while taking a year and a half off, got pregnant and had to take another year and a half off to right. have another child. Mm-hmm. And both of them are my boys to help build our legacy. It's like if she needs a month to two months to focus on just her career, mm-hmm. I have to be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. I have to. Like, Some of the most helpful things you've done, too, even if you couldn't step in, you made provisions for the kids with, like, my mom. You'd be like, Ma, you know, Kay needs to go to the gym. Is there a way for you to come by after That's work? my go-to. So that way, yeah. So your that mom way, is my go-to, yeah, like, real talk. She really holds and, us down. And Sakari. Yes. Like, yes. When, when, and your dad, too. Yeah. Yeah, and Brian. And, Brian and my is great brother. for like Jackson, you know. Cause Our he, family? Yeah, they really just like help so much. So even if you are not there to do it, you can foresee yeah. that I need the help and you'll like reach out to all of our forces and be like, hey, who is free to help us out real quick? And they're usually so great about, you know, pitching Absolutely. In. So, so. it really is the village. Like the village makes it possible for me Absolutely. to step out, you know, and just grab the kids in the house and say, you know, let's go get, go get the bag, baby. Just yeah, go get the go bag. Go get the bags. All the bags. You know, because you bring home the bacon, <laughs> you know, even though I don't eat pork no more. I know, I know. I That's a lie. Do. <laughs> That's I'm from a down lie. south. I eat pork. Devout, me, I don't eat pork. I only eat bacon every now and again. So <laughs> You just said that? Bacon is its own entity, okay? Bacon ain't pork. I don't eat it all the time. Yo, let me tell y'all about this girl, yo. We <laughs> we go, I forgot where we were. And she was just like, can I see your vegan options, please? So I'm like, oh, <laughs> trying to be healthy vegan today. today. All right? So there's like, we have a black bean burger. Yeah. She's like, oh, great, great, great. So she's like, let me get the black bean burger with bacon. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? I felt for it. Like the, the very blue boom that I felt for bacon, it just but happened to the me. The rationale behind it was so dope, though. It wasn't she it? goes, She goes, listen, nobody make food better than vegans. 
If you can make an all-vegetable meal taste mad good, right. imagine if you add bacon, bacon to, to that, that shit. shit. Yo, go. I was like, you Facts. right, though. <laughs> but you right, though. Facts. And it, it actually so tastes me, good, yeah, though. Let me know who's doing that out there. Make sure y'all comment and let me know <laughs> who has tried to put bacon on their food. Hashtag sandwich. vegan with bacon. Yes. Yes. All right. Listener letters, I always love those. Yes. Um, and if you want to be featured as one of our listener letters, email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com. Yes, that's Deadass Advice. D-E-A-D-A-S-S-A-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com. So, baby, what's your moment of truth um, for this whole... What's the vows truth when it comes to blending cultures or just talking about... You know, we're all a part of the African diaspora. Yes. Wakanda forever. Yes, Wakanda forever. All that good stuff. Let me know. What's your takeaway from this whole conversation? My my moment of truth is to take time to embrace Mm -hmm. the culture Mm -hmm. of the people that you're around. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not... Your wife, your significant other, your friends, mm-hmm. take time to embrace their culture because what mm-hmm. you think you know about their cultures, you probably don't. And all the caricatures mm-hmm. about their culture right. that are the stereotypes that, yes. that are what you think or hold as truths can be so much deeper if you just take the time. Right. And don't only just do it for them, do it for yourself. Yeah, Because the more you learn, the better you can become. Right. And I, I want to be able to... to Know as much as I can about as many people so I can share that with the boys. Yeah, taking the time to really dispel the myths um, yes. surrounding any culture. And that's just not Caribbean culture, West Indian culture, uh, whatever you want to call it. It can be, you know, Asian culture. It can be African. It can be European. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever it is, really taking the time to dispel the myths. Absolutely. Because it'll make you a well-rounded person as well. And yes. then I think it's just more more about humanity in that circumstance. So you can really get to understand people better. Um, I, like what, I like what you said there, though. More about but, humanity. Yeah. Learn other people's culture so you could be a better human. Human. I yes. like that. I like Be that. Be a better human. Like love thy neighbor. Like you can legitimately love thy neighbor in authenticity at that point because you feel like you can respect where they've come from. No? Yeah. Dead ass. That might be my moment of truth That's right there. That's your moment of truth. Dead Between ass. That, and you know what? Ignorance is not bliss in this circumstance because you don't know about a culture. If you don't know, like how my father and his friends did not know about the struggle. Right. It's not bliss. It's actually pretty sad and it's pretty sad (laughs) it is pretty sad i agree it is pretty sad so you know educate yourself have these conversations instead of talking about you know what just came on on loving hip-hop's last episode how about you talk about somebody's culture you know share a little tip or something you know invite them over for a meal that they may not have had before and introduce them to a different way of doing things or or something that's specific to your culture i like that i like that I like that. Do y'all like that? Well, if you like that, be sure to follow us on social media. That's I am Deval, I A M D as in David, E V as in volume, A L E. You're so obnoxious with the spelling of your handle. I like to. I like to let people know because niggas can't spell. And Kadeen, I am. Do I have to spell it? Go ahead and spell it for me. K-H-A-D-E-E-N is in Nancy. I-A-M. And if yes. you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and subscribe and tell your friends and everybody. Deadass. Deadass. Deadass is a production of Stitcher. It's produced by T-Square, Stephanie Karayuki, and Denora Pena. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon, and we'd like to give a special thanks to our recording engineer, Jared O'Connell, our sound designer, Brendan Burns, and studio manager, Ashley Warren. We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. We have a podcast going on right now as part of the Stitcher Network called The Distraction. That's available everywhere you get your podcast at uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction. Right now. It's out. Do it, please.